Well, good morning, Redeemer Church. I'm Pastor Dave, and it is a joy to be with you on this Sunday, February 4th. A uh, couple quick things. If you're a church member, you should have received our monthly church member email this past week, which would have lined up for you our upcoming members meetings. We're going to try something a bit different coming up. We're going to do a little bit shorter meetings, and we're going to do them after the second service. So at about 12.45 p.m., our next member meeting will be in two weeks, so February 18th. So if you normally attend this service, you just stay a little longer, and we're going to have a great meeting. There's several important things that we're going to discuss and share. That's February 18th, but before then, so next week, many of you know that four times a year, we are unable to meet here at the Millennium Plaza Hotel, and so next week is one of those days. And so if you come here next Sunday morning, you're going to be all alone and very sad. So don't come here because you have to pay for breakfast down the hall. Instead, 5 or 7 p.m., We'll be at Jumeirah Creekside Hotel in Garhood. Been with us for a while. We've been there often. If you're new to us, it's right next to the tennis stadium. There's the aviation club, Jumeirah Creekside Hotel, Garhood, near the Jijiko Metro Station. One good ripple effect, though, is that we're using the afternoon to host a couple seminars at our space at Commerce City. So we're going to have a single seminar and a parenting seminar. So you can find more information about those in your bulletins. So don't waste that opportunity. Join us for a seminar and then a service at five or seven. Now, raise your hand if you attended the anniversary picnic yesterday. Raise your hand high, nice and high. Okay, lots of you. That's great. Okay, you can put your hands down. Wasn't it amazing? It was like the pre-COVID Redeemer potluck days, a heavenly feast with all kinds of fellowship. While I'm tempted to offer a prize for the best dish, I will hold back for the sake of unity and not do so. But like those of you who had your hands down, I also did not attend because of sickness. So unfortunately, I wasn't there. But my friend Rajesh, Rajesh, are you here? Rajesh, Rajesh uh, he filmed all the food for me. Now, I don't know why he thought I'd want to see the food, but he did and filmed all the food. So it was like this never-ending table of food, and it looked delicious. I'm sad for my sickness. It's been a tough week. I'm just thankful I'm strong enough to stand up here right now. Well, today marks our church's 14th anniversary. We launched the church. The church was started February 12th. 2010, and so normally the first or second weekend <coughs> of February, we celebrate our anniversary. So I thought the first thing we would do today as we get started is just to see when everyone joined us, okay? So this is going to involve some standing. Everybody's going to stand at least once, okay? So be, be, be ready. If you've joined us, if you join us for the first time, at the Millennium Plaza, formerly the Crown Plaza Hotel, here in these last two years, or if you're visiting today or visiting recently, if that's you, please stand. Please stand. If this is how you found our church, we were meeting in this spot. Please stand. Okay, lots of you. That's great. Praise God. Okay, you may be seated. <clears throat> Quite a few of you have found us here on Shagside Road, opposite the world's most beautiful building. Okay, here we go. How about this one? This is a long shot. I know, but here it is. I wonder if anyone joined us during our six-month COVID pilgrimage to Ras al-Khaimah. If anybody first joined us when we were meeting in Iraq, please stand. I see a few, several of you, oh, more of you jumping up. You may be seated. I, yes, some debate about some things there, but I did see several of you, several of you joined us first in Iraq. Okay. Now, here's another long shot, but maybe. Did anyone join us first by watching our Redeemer online videos during COVID? If that was your first connection to Redeemer, that's how you first heard of Redeemer, please stand. Anybody? We do have several. All right. Praise God. 
You may be seated. Now, if you joined us while we were meeting at what's now the Movin Pick in Garhud or the Crown Plaza in Dera, please stand. Anybody? Movin Pick, Garhud, Crown Plaza, Dera. Okay, like 20 of you. Okay, you may be seated. I think this is going to be a big one. We met here for seven years. Please stand if you first joined us at the Marriott in Dira back in Morakabad. Please stand. All right, lots of you. Praise God, you may be seated. You may be seated. Okay. All right, now we're going to go way back, way, way back. If you first attended our meetings at Dira City Center, Safatel in either 2010 or 2011, again, a long, long time ago, back when I didn't have any gray hair, please stand. Who started way back? Okay, quite a few. Praise the Lord. Yes, all my dear friends, you may be seated. Okay, one more. This may involve some of you who just sat down to stand up again. I don't know. Here's the big one. If you were with us for our very first service, February 12, 2010, please stand. Was anyone there the very first service? Awesome. You may be seated. Praise God. Praise God. Over 14 years. Of course, there are many others who've been part of the Redeemer Church family during these 14 years who have come, who have gone. Uh, we're just excited. We could celebrate many things today, but I thought that we would celebrate our partnership with 14 churches today. I'm going to do that quickly, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to move over to the side so you can see uh, the pictures. I have a picture for each of these 14 churches today. And I'm going to start with a couple churches that had a profound impact on me, which then I think in turn has had a profound impact on our church. 14 churches for 14 years. Number one, Denton Bible Church. You may never have heard this church's name, but I often mention my first pastor. I'll say, my first pastor said this, or my first pastor Tommy said this. Well, this is him. Gloria and I became Christians in this church, uh, sat under his preaching. He taught us to have a love for the Word of God. So much so that after I graduated, I spent a year with 25 other men, and we woke up every uh, day, every weekday at at least 5 a.m. to gather at 6 a.m. at the church building for two hours to study the Bible with them. On Tuesdays, Tuesdays were the worst. We had to meet at 5.40 a.m. Now, losing those 20 minutes was not the highlight of our week, but studying the Bible was. (coughs) For the whole year, Pastor Tommy would teach us God's Word, His love for the Word was imparted to all of us, and I hope imparted to us here at Redeemer Church. Number two, Fellowship, Little Rock. Gloria and I spent the last year of our time in the U.S. here being trained to church plant. And here's a picture of me and Pastor Bill at our fifth anniversary. It also reminds me of one of our elders, Butch Lim, Butch and Prossy Lim. Uh, Butch used to host our anniversary gatherings, and there's part of the backdrop For our fifth anniversary, for a whole year, Pastor Bill and others taught me about church planting. The church has encouraged us for over 14 years, not just through prayer and encouragement, but by being one of our biggest financial partners as well. And one of the reasons we can meet in this very room. Well, number three, the Evangelical Christian Church of Dubai. Gloria and I moved here with dreams of planting a church, but not really knowing how to go about it. But we found a home at UCCD, which is now ECCD. Pastor John and another elder, Max Stiles, were relentless champions of planting Redeemer Church. Pastor John displayed one of the most incredible models of selflessness I've ever seen uh, by calling almost everyone in the church to consider going with the church plant. In fact, many did. Mac and Leanne Stiles were the first two to sign up. Pastor John trusted God, realizing that Jesus would build both Redeemer and ECCD, and the gates of hell would not prevail against them. Well, for Redeemer Church, that's us. 
Now, there's lots of pictures I could have chosen. Could have chosen a picture of the launch team, a picture of our family, a picture of the first meeting. And I have a great picture. It's a shot from the corner. It pans every single person who was there that first day at what was then the Sofitel. Could have taken the picture from our first member meeting, but I chose this one. This is one of my favorite nights as a church. It was Christmas a few years ago when our theme was He is Worthy. Everything was gorgeous, but I chose this picture without fanfare, without groups of people, because I thought in reality, this is the story of our church. It's been about Jesus. It's not been about me. It's not been about our elders, the staff, our members. It's that Jesus has built his church. He is worthy of all praise, all honor, and all worship. We've been weak. I've struggled with disability and depression even today. I'm sick and I'll try to not cough too much. We've been kicked out of meeting locations. We've faced external challenges. We've seen how sin devastates not just the one who sins, but everyone around them. Through the city's transience, we've seen pastors and members transition away. But God has shown us that weakness is the way so that he gets all the glory. (coughs) That's our story. He is worthy. And we are blessed that in some way, God has used our weakness in seeing other churches established. Now, this is, this is mind-blowing. So, number five, Rack Church. Now, ECCD took the lead and really planted Rack Church. We sent some people, but we were just along for the ride, and it was a joyful ride. Because here, you can't just build a church building. You can't just rent a space and meet there 24-7. So, it was astonishing when... Years ago, His Highness Sheikh Saud bin Sakar al Qasimi invited a few of us pastors, including me and Pastor Josh, to go into his palace. We walked by a dozen big blue peacocks in the front yard. Inside the palace, there were things covered in gold. It was the first time I'd greeted someone as Your Royal Highness and wasn't joking around with a friend. This was a real ruler. God had paved the way for us to meet the ruler, and God granted land to build a church. God called Pastor Josh Manley to lead the church plant, and in an interesting twist of irony, during COVID, we actually drove up there over an hour and used their building for our church services. We have some friends from Rack, or who will soon be in Rack, uh, Richard and Omatola, if you guys would stand. We have two friends who are getting married in Rack next week. So let's praise God for them. So Richard is a member at Rack Church. Omatola has been a member at Redeemer for quite some time. And Rack Church has a history of doing this to us, of, of men of Rack Church marrying the women of Redeemer Church. You may be seated, but we're so excited for you too and are praising God for your wedding in six days, actually. So praise God. Also recently, Joanna Lima, one of our members. This is a, now Emmanuel, a former member trying to steal. You guys can stand too and we can praise God for your engagement. Joanna Lima and Emmanuel have recently been engaged. So it, it does really happen. You guys may be seated, but praise God for what he's doing in your life. Emmanuel Church of Fujera, number six. Stephen Quinn founded Emmanuel Church. Pastor Steve completed our internship program in a step of faith, went to the East Coast, to the Indian Ocean Coast, to plant what we believe is one of the first evangelical churches on that coast. Seven Redeemer Church of Elaine, after researching several places, including Kuwait, Pastor Blaine met his now wife Kelly here at Redeemer, and then they took the 90-minute trek inland to start Redeemer Church of Elaine. The church continues today, pastored by Luke Humphrey, and John Norris. I see Pastor Luke and Laura here. Why don't you guys stand? I knew you were going to be here, but I spotted you. Let's praise God for these workers inland in Elaine. 
Good to see you guys. You may be seated. We have lots of friends here today. We're going to be happy clappy the whole service. It's okay. It's okay for a church to clap, and we're going to prove it today. Eight, Covenant Hope Church. Pastor Brian was one of the founding elders and a great friend of mine. After seven years after our launch, we would attempt to do what ECCD did for us. We would attempt to send dozens of our favorite leaders and members, key elders, to go plant a church on the other side of town. It was hard, but it was worth it. Number nine, Crossroads Church. I met Pastor Alvin at a Bible training I did across town. We became fast friends. He became an intern at our church, then a staff member, then an elder, then a church planter, and then senior pastor of Crossroads Church. Ten, <coughs> City Bible Church. I met Marwan on Twitter. Kind of. We, it's true, but we actually met without knowing it, 35 years ago. Now, if you don't know this story, you need to know it. We were both taking karate lessons at the, now get this, at the Lebanese Taekwondo Federation in the small town of Chula Vista, California, at the same time. Same dojo, same place. I'm a bit older, but we were there. We met 10 years ago at a conference again, Marwan and his family would spend two years with us doing an internship at a church planning residency before launching City Bible Church in Beirut. You may remember their building was the closest building to the blast site when the blast happened a few years ago. The Lord provided extravagantly and has provided this beautiful building that you see him and his family standing in front of. Eleven, Redeemer Fellowship Kuwait. Pastor Blaine was so excited about planting in Alain. He moved to Kuwait to start a new church. I love this picture because you'll see Pastor John Norris is there leading the music in the far right. And Pastor John would later become one of the pastors in Elaine after Blaine left. Twelve, Grace City Church Cochin. Here's a photo of our elders at an interest meeting during a vision trip to Cochin. Grace City Cochin was formed a year later with former Redeemer members Benoit and Jay-Z Samuel, Benjamin, Miriam, George. Jonathan Justin, Robin and Rennie Cherian, and Jaya Shinde. 13, Center Church. Wasn't easy to plant a church during COVID, but this is exactly what Pastor Isaac Thomas and others did during the pandemic. This is a picture from a Gulf Theological Seminary class on church planting, where the final assignment is to prepare a church planting proposal. I don't know if you can see the font, but the original name, Sojourner Church, was changed to Center Church, but the Lord brought the plan together, and a church was launched and has grown quickly. 14, Grace Emanuel Church. Our church gives financially to Grace Emanuel. How could we not? Pastor Glenn Jones was one of the founding staff members and served with us for nine years. The Lord's doing a great work in Northwest Sydney to unite a multi-ethnic community. So we're thankful for grace. So let's, let's praise God for his work among all of these churches. <clears throat> I also see a few other friends out there. Johan Samuel, is that you way back there? Johan and Jenna are in town. Please say hi to them. Don Reinhardt, why don't you raise your hand? I see just so many friends here today. I'm sure you guys all came just for the 14th anniversary, so thanks for doing that. Um, and I'm sure I'm missing others, but it's just so great uh, to have you with us. And if I miss, is Jenna, Jenna around? Jenna, we're happy to see you. There you are. Hey, Jenna. Good to see you. So sad to miss many of you at the picnic yesterday, but we're going to get to look at Romans. And let me pray, though, before we do. Well, actually, let me just, I have a couple more comments before we pray. So put your heads back up. There you go. We're going to bow heads, heads back up, stand up, sit down, clap, clap, clap. That's today. Okay. Here's what I want to say. Just a brief word is that he indeed, Jesus, is worthy to be praised. And this is what I want us to think about for, for really just one minute. What if, what if over the next decades, there could be in total hundreds of churches planted through Redeemer and through the church plants of Redeemer? What if pastors could be trained, leaders could be sent out, seminary graduates equipped? At our elder retreat a few months ago, our elders dreamed. We thought, what if, what if 
the Lord would plant 500 new churches by 2045 through us or through the various churches that have been planted? What if by then we would be able to see great, great, great grandchildren or granddaughter churches? Churches that we've planted that have planted churches that have planted churches that have planted churches. Friends, wouldn't that be thrilling? Wouldn't that be encouraging to see? Friends, God can do it. God can do immeasurably more than we could ask or think. And so to that end, now, let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Father, we marvel at your goodness towards us. We don't deserve it, but you've blessed us. You've grown our faith. (coughs) Father, you've brought many to you. You've started new churches for your glory. Oh, bless these churches. Father, would you do more than our greatest prayers over the next 14 years? Father, we thank you for friends that have gathered here today. And we do especially pray for Richard and Omatola and their wedding next weekend on the 10th of February. Lord, would their ceremony, would it point to Christ and exalt Jesus? And would their marriage commend the gospel there in Rasulkaima into the world? Father, would your kingdom expand among the nations? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 11. If you haven't already turned there, please turn there in your Bibles, especially, or in your bulletins. If you're looking at your watches, don't worry, we will be done before dinner time. (coughs) Okay, last week, if you were with us, our main point was this, verses 1 through 4, Romans 8, Christians have absolute security of salvation through the work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We saw this great triune work in saving us. We saw the whole Trinity at work in saving us. We saw that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves, and there's nothing we can do to lose our salvation. We saw that our God is a God We can trust in all things. Today we'll look at verses 5 through 11. The second sermon out of six sermons, Romans chapter 8. And here's our main point today. Life in the flesh leads to death and hostility, while life in the spirit leads to life and peace. I'll repeat that. Again, life in the flesh leads to death and hostility, whereas life in the Spirit leads to life and peace. There are just two ways to live. That's it. Two ways. You're either dying or you're living. (coughs) That's it. Look at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. In today's passage, we have two groups with two distinct worldviews. The flesh shapes one, the Spirit shapes the other. And a key to understanding the passage is understanding that word flesh comes from the Greek word sarx, means human sinful tendencies. Paul's point in these verses is to contrast the person who is of the flesh, who is by nature a sinner, and the one who is of the spirit. You'll notice in these verses there are no commands. That's interesting. It's very Interesting. I preached a sermon on Romans 7 recently entitled Fight Club. Maybe you remember that sermon if you were with us. And we talked about how as Christians there's this battle raging within us. There's a war raging within us between the spirit and between the flesh. There's this fight. And at times we give in to sin and at times we don't please God. At times 
We give in to temptation. At times we do what we don't want to do. Romans 7, we see this great battle in the Christian's heart. We don't cease to sin, yet as Christians we grow in Christ's likeness over time. We never achieve perfection. We never achieve perfect holiness, the side of heaven, but we do grow more like Jesus. Well, these verses in chapter 8, they're not talking about that battle. So chapter 7, I believe verses 7 on to 25, we saw that war, and we saw that it's even true of mature Christians, that actually it's the mature Christians that are fighting. We're fighting against our flesh and fighting against our sin. That's not what chapter 8 here is talking about. There's no command to us even. Paul is explaining a reality. But those who are of the flesh are unbelievers. Those who are of the Spirit are believers. That's what this section in Romans is telling us. You'll see it throughout our seven verses. First in verse 5, those who are in the flesh are unbelievers. They will set their minds on the things of the flesh. But if you're a believer, you're going to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Paul traces one's life back to one's thoughts, the mind. A life of the flesh flows from a mind oriented to the flesh. Now, you could think of the mind here as a, the direction, as the direction goes of a person's will. Verses 7 and 8, Paul explains why the mind of the flesh brings death. Look at verse 7. For the mind that is set in the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Friends, your mind cannot be neutral. It can't love one thing without rejecting the other. A mind set in the flesh is in opposition to God. It's in direct conflict with the Holy Spirit. If you're not a believer, you've put yourself in opposition to God. Paul wants, I think, to call out the Pharisees here, among others. They wanted to earn God's favor by following God's law, but that's impossible. Even if you tried your hardest to follow the laws of God, you can't obey God without the Spirit. Back in verse 6, Paul tells us the implications of our choice. Verse 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. If we're of the flesh, there's an inescapable consequence of death. We can fight it, but not flee from it. The mindset in the flesh leads to death. The mind matters. Knowledge of who God is and what God has done prompts good thoughts. A mind influenced by the Spirit. A mind that leads to life and peace. This is how we describe a Christian, a Christ follower. Second Peter 3, Peter urges us to grow in grace and to grow in our knowledge of Jesus. Knowledge is anything but dry and irrelevant. The hard work of knowing God is very much worth it. Knowledge of God prompts our worship of God. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. My friend Tim recently wrote a book, and I love the book's title. It's Knowledge for the Love of God. Knowledge for the Love of God. Our love for God starts with knowledge. The Apostle Paul is an example of a Christian who was consumed with knowing God more. A few weeks ago, we looked at this as we studied the last section of 2 Timothy. We saw that Paul, the apostle, made a request of his disciple Timothy to bring him the books. You read of that at the end of 2 Timothy. I love how Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century prince of preachers in London, expressed amazement at such a request 
by the Apostle Paul. He writes this. He says, Paul is inspired, and yet he wants the books. Paul has seen the Lord, and yet he wants books. He has a wider experience than most men, and yet he wants books. He had been caught up to the third heaven. He's heard things unlawful for a man to utter, yet he wants books. He's written a major part of the New Testament, and yet he wants books. And Spurgeon then reminds us, he who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves he has no brains of his own. A Redeemer Church, this is why we have a great book stall led by our deaconess, Kanta, and the team. It's why we have community groups. It's why we have equipping classes. It's why next week we have those seminars. It's why we have seminary classes and more. It's because our love for God always starts with our minds. Right worship starts with right thinking. Right worship always begins with thinking the right thoughts. And all of us as Christians, with the Spirit indwelling us, have our minds set on the Spirit. We want to grow. We want to know God more. I mean, it's not even in my notes, but as I was preaching earlier and preaching now, just thinking about the Holy Spirit indwelling us. So we're going to see verse 11, that, that mentioned a couple times. We've seen it, first part in Romans. But fellow Christian, if you are saved, you're a follower of Christ, just take a moment right now just to realize that the Holy Spirit of God indwells you. I mean, this is astonishing. I, mean, I don't know if you think about this normally as you go about your day, but the Holy Spirit of God has indwelled you. I don't know how exactly, but miraculously, the Spirit is in you. This is incredible. And so because the Spirit is indwelling us, we can have our minds set on the Spirit. And as we have our minds set on holy things, on spiritual things, we want to grow. We want to know God more. We want to grow in our knowledge and love of the Savior. We want to help each other live out that reality. And if we're going to do that as a church body, we must think well. So friend, what do you think about What normally occupies your thoughts? What do you think about? Now, one of my favorite adverts or commercials of all time was done by Berlitz, the Language Learning Institute. I wonder if some of you have seen this. The scene starts at a headquarters for the German Coast Guard, and I'm not going to do any accents here. But there's two men speaking German to one another, and the boss, the older man, leaves, and he leaves the younger employee in charge. Quickly over the radio, there's a loud shout. There's a red alert. A ship captain says, Mayday, Mayday! We are sinking! We are sinking! Anybody seen this advert? A few of you? Well, the, 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 the man... And the radio, in broken English, to the ship says, hello, this is the German Coast Guard. The man on the radio says again, pleading, we are sinking, we are sinking. And then the incredible line at the end, the young man's response to the ship sinking is, what are you thinking about? And then, of course, the music plays, the words come and say, improve your English with Berlitz. Well, that might be a humorous advert, but I ask you a serious question. What are you thinking about? What do you think about when there's nothing else you have to think about? Christian, do your thoughts reflect the reality that you have the Spirit within you? Where does your mind drift? Well, there's a way for a Christian to quench the Spirit. That's a theological term. It's a biblical term. 1 Thessalonians 5, we're commanded there to not quench the Spirit, to not restrict the Spirit's work in our lives. This doesn't mean that we're more powerful than God, but it does mean a few things. It does mean that to quench the Spirit means to neglect giving God the glory 
in all things. It means neglecting the gifts God has given us. So God has given us Christians some spiritual gifts, the ability to serve Him in supernatural ways. And when we don't do that, we're quenching the Spirit. It means not celebrating the things of God. To quench the Spirit means to give in to sin. We, we, we know because we have the Spirit, we know it's wrong. We know not to give in. But when we quench the Spirit, we give in to our sin. Christian friend, you have the Holy Spirit of God. Do your thoughts reflect that reality? We must think right thoughts about God. When we do, we want to please God. We want to do holy things. We want to love our families and friends well. We want to encourage each other in Christ. We serve. We want to serve the Redeemer Kids ministry. It may be challenging, but we do it with delight. It's because of the Spirit within us. It's why we come early to set up and stay late to tear down. It's why we have community groups and lead them and host them in our homes and give up our time to encourage others as we study God's Word. Distinctly Christian service flows out of being indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. This is important because look at verse 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now that's just a full-on blanket statement. Cannot at all please God. Paul's saying that those controlled by their sinful nature cannot please God. You can't try harder. You can't do better. You can't do more. You can't succeed if you don't have the Spirit There's no checklist for you to complete to please God. There's no sacrifice big enough to account for your sins. You must believe correctly. You must have the Spirit. Look at verse 9. You, you, however, (coughs) are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to you. Him. So we see a shift here in the passage. You, you, however, you Roman Christians, this is what Paul is saying here. Paul is speaking to the Roman Christians, and fellow Christian Paul is speaking to you. You, however, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. He's talking to believers. He's saying this is true of you if the Spirit of God dwells within you. This is what it means to be a Christian. What's the definition of a Christian? A Christian is one Who's indwelled by the Holy Spirit? That's the only necessary condition. Paul doesn't say we're in the Spirit if we've done certain things. He says we're in the Spirit if one condition is met, as if the Spirit of God dwells in us. Sounds so basic. Yet it baffles us for some reason. We want to do more. Maybe. Let me repeat this. To be a Christian means the Spirit of God dwells in you. And we can't be a Christian unless the Holy Spirit regenerates us and changes our hearts and changes our hearts. One of the main points of our text here is that you can't save yourself. Last week we saw that you can't unsave yourself. You can't lose your salvation. You have the security of salvation. Here we see you can't save yourself. It's not as if you can do enough Christian ministry to get the Spirit. God has to give you the Spirit. Mark chapter 1 tells us how we become a believer. We repent and we believe. We repent of our sins against the Holy God and we trust in Christ to save us. And when we do that simultaneously, the same time the Holy Spirit regenerates us, we're born again and the Holy Spirit indwells us. The Holy Spirit is a gift to us. In verse 9, we also note that having the Spirit of God, it's not some super Christian life. It's not a higher calling to have the Holy Spirit indwell us. I know someone close to me who was at a Christian conference once, 
And towards the end of the weekend, towards the end of the weekend conference, everybody was told that they could receive more of the Spirit. Maybe some had some of the Spirit. Maybe some had none of the Spirit. But what you have to do is you have to raise your hands up high, open your mouth wide, and just listen to the loud music and ask the Spirit to come to you. Well, friends, that's false teaching. That's not how it works. There's no such thing. Paul says having the Spirit dwell within you is the normal Christian life. Isn't that good news? If you're a Christian, you have the Spirit. There's no second blessing of the Spirit. There's no more of the Spirit. There's no extra Spirit. There's no super Spirit. There's no super Christians. This is fundamentally what it means to be a Christian. All Christians everywhere have the Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, Holy Spirit of God comes and lives within you at that precise moment. The mark of the believer is to be indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to God. So the question then is, how do you know if you have the Spirit? Well, it's the same question then as asking, how do you know if you're a Christian? Well, let me mention a couple things. How do you know that you're a Christian and have the Holy Spirit? Number one, have you repented of your sins and believed in Jesus for salvation? So I mentioned that from Mark chapter 1 just a couple minutes ago. If you have, if you've trusted in Jesus to save you, that there's no other saviors out there, there's no other gods out there, there's no other religion out there, there's no other way to get to God except through Jesus Christ, that you've repented of your sins, you've trusted in Him to save you, if you've done that, then you have the Spirit. And number two, have you seen your life change? So number one must be true to have the Spirit. And then number two is really a fruit of number one. Because if you have the Spirit, you have to change. Now, maybe not everything all at once. Maybe for some of you, you became a Christian and everything changed in that moment. You went from being an alcoholic to instantly dropping that last bottle to pursuing some grand life of ministry. For many of us, it's maybe a, 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 a kind of a, an up and down journey, but it has a trajectory upwards. We, we still fight sin. We still struggle from time to time, but we're growing. We're delighting in God more and more. So number one, if you repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus, and number two, is there fruit of that? Has your life changed? Are you fighting sin now? Are you winning the battle more of the time now? You won't be perfect, but are you growing? Are your eyes open to the things of God? Do you see the world differently? Do you see people differently? Do you go about your job differently? Are your ears sensitive to God's instruction in the gospel? And when you hear the good news of Jesus, when you hear truths like the Holy Spirit indwells you, does that brighten up your heart? I've heard it explained that for the Christian, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is like a dog whistle. When you blow into a dog whistle as a human, what do you hear? Yeah, you, you hear nothing. You can't hear anything because a dog whistle is so high-pitched. It's at such a different frequency that we as humans can't hear it. But when you blow into a dog whistle, all the dogs around you, they sure are going to hear it. They're going to hear it loud and clear. They're going to start barking and barking. Well, similarly, you can only really hear, really understand the truths of the gospel if you have the Spirit. The Bible says the good news of Jesus is foolishness to everyone else. Unless the Spirit changes your heart, you can't really hear and see the gospel for the truth that it is. But if God has changed your heart and dwelled you with the, with the Spirit, the good news of Jesus will be heard and will warm your heart. Every Christian is in the Spirit. Now, we may not always reflect it in our behavior, but it's a fact of our existence. Look at verse 10. But if Christ is in you, 
I love how not only is the Holy Spirit indwelling us, but we have this union in Christ language that we are in Christ, Christ is in us. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 10 explains the so what of having the Spirit. What does that practically mean? It means many things. I already mentioned that you will fight sin, that you'll grow as a Christian. But here in verse 10, Paul speaks of another reality. An obvious question might be asked at this point. Christians have the Holy Spirit, but then why are our bodies so frail? Why do we get weaker as the years go on? Why are we doomed to die? And all along the way, why are we still susceptible to sin? Well, Paul says, yes, even with the Spirit, our bodies are still dead because of sin. There are still consequences from the fall of Adam and from the fact that each of us was born into sin and has continued on in sin. Physical death is a penalty that must still be carried out, yet the Christian can take confidence because Paul writes, your spirit is alive because of righteousness, not ours. Well, this is good news for us. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, This verse is most amazing, friends. Verse 11, chapter 8 in Romans. Memorize this verse. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit that raised Jesus out of the grave three days later, will, listen to this great promise, will, will, will also give life to your mortal bodies through a spirit who dwells in you. Well, friends, because of the Holy Spirit, though our bodies will die, we can be sure of future resurrection. We have future hope. Our bodies may fail, but the end of their story will not be the grave. We're spiritually alive, and even our dead bodies will rise from the grave. Glorified bodies, just like Christ. Redeemer Church, what better message could I bring you on our anniversary? Bodily death is not the end of our story. Death is not good. Death is a result of the fall. We never say death is good. We don't smile at death. We don't laugh at death. Death is not good. But, oh, friends, after death is good. Death is not the end of our story. Unless Jesus comes back first, we will all die. This is true. And we were all really helped a few weeks ago by Dr. T.J.'s sermon when he preached through the last section, 2 Timothy. These were Paul's last written words before he died. We learned about how, as Christians, we have hope in both life and death. Friends, we need not fear death. Now here's the encouragement. As a Christian, yes, we will die, but the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who rose Jesus from the dead, is the same Holy Spirit who will give life to our mortal bodies. What a promise. What a reality. Our decaying bodies will be raised, and we know from other passages they, they'll be renewed and glorified. Again, no command here in these verses, just facts. Christians are alive and will be raised. We are indwelled with the Holy Spirit as a gift. Friend, if you're here and you're not yet a believer, maybe you're visiting today. Maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe you've been contemplating following Christ or not, there's no better day than today. Yes, you're a sinner. We're, we're all sinners, but God, God in the flesh, Jesus came. So Jesus came in the flesh to save us from our sinful flesh by allowing his flesh to be nailed to a cross. 
taking upon himself his people's sins from all places and all times. And then on the third day, the Spirit raised him from the dead. Friend, if you're not yet a believer, turn from your sins and trust in Christ to save you. And the Spirit will indwell you and will change you now and forevermore. Oh, it's a most amazing truth. Fellow Christian, as we close, on that day when Jesus returns, we will be raised, we will be like him. No pain, no coughs, no cancer, no problems, no debt, no sadness, no depression, no disease. No death. Glorified bodies for all eternity. Friend, when you're converted and saved by Jesus, everything changes. While life in the flesh leads to death and hostility, life in the spirit leads to life and peace. Choose life. Redeemer Church, let's cherish this news today. Happy 14th anniversary. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we as Christians are already indwelled by the Spirit. Thank you for saving us, opening our eyes, not by our power and might, but by the life and death of Jesus. We thank you that the same power of the Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead will one day raise us also. Father, thank you for that hope that it brings our hearts today. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.